Good afternoon. My name is Savannah, and I'm the producer for the Roxborough House Roundtables at Jefferson East Falls. Each episode is recorded and later posted on our YouTube channel for those who were not able to make it to the live event. They are also aired on the first and third Sundays of each month from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on G-Town Community Radio 92.5 FM WGGT. For today's roundtable, we're talking about the stigma with periods and reproductive health. Our hosts, Nini Rayo and Hannah Shapiro, will help us dig deeper into why this is a taboo topic for our society. Go ahead. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, so my name is Nini. I am a chem professor of chemistry here at Jefferson East Falls. And um, in July of this year, 2023, um, there is a research paper published um, in journal uh, BMJ and is on an assessment of menstruation product using real blood cell. Mm -hmm. And this is the first of its kind. It makes you wonder why are we still not be able to talk about menstruation in today's age. Um, I'd like to introduce my co-host, Hannah, and then do you want to talk about your experience about periods? Yeah, sure. So, um, obviously, there's a lot of stigma around talking about periods, but um, I actually think that I have a really, luckily, a unique perspective on it. So I grew up, when I was uh, young, I was actually a synchronized swimmer. Uh, until recently, that was an entirely female-dominated sport. Uh, and so what was really cool is um, because I was just surrounded by girls and women, your coaches are female, the other athletes are female, I actually experienced absolutely no stigma <laughs> around the period products because it was just so natural to talk about this when your whole team you know, is getting their first period in like the same year. Everybody's very free and very open. It's actually really cool because I now coach the team that I used to swim for. And the details they tell me, like excessive in-depth details about what is going on. I'm like, I support you, but I did not need to know all of that information. So I feel like I'm really lucky in that I, I got to experience kind of the opposite where there was absolutely no stigma and everybody was just really open about talking about menstruation and reproductive health and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and I feel like that's how it should be. And so then it's really frustrating to, I guess, interface with the rest of the world and be like, hold on, why are we not here yet? So, so what are your experience growing up talking about periods and what it was like to have, have that discussion with your peers or your family? I never really had a conversation with my parents. My mom wasn't really in like my life like that. So my dad, I grew up around a lot of men. So my younger sister ended up getting her cycle a month before I got mine. And I seen like the the way they treated her differently after she got it. Like she was like kind of like looked down on, like they wanted to walk on tippy toes and things like that. Nobody helped her at all and everything like that. And in my household necessarily, instead of teaching a young girl like how to use those products or get her into a place where she can learn those things, they kind of shamed her for her poor hygiene. So when it came to mine, when I got mine, I didn't tell my parents. They didn't find out for like two, three years. Mm -hmm. So like for like the first year, I was struggling myself because I didn't know like what to do, how to handle certain things. And so I reached out to like a school nurse and she was like, you should have came to me sooner mm -hmm. and things like that. So when I went to my school nurse, she opened me with welcome arms. She educated me, she talked to me and everything like that. And I was more so able to bring that back home. But when I talked to my peers growing up about like that experience, I was shocked that a lot of people 
in my neighborhood and in my community had those same exact experiences with their family members, especially with the men in their lives. Uh, yeah, growing up, uh, my mother was very open and willing to talk about it, so that was great, but uh, growing up in the Orthodox Church and going to church every Sunday and things was, once that changed, the procession of how um, I was treated was very different. You know, sir, if I was on my cycle, I, I couldn't go and get communion, and I would have to get a blessing, and then everybody in the church would know that I then had my period, and it was kind of... Is almost dehumanizing a way that you know my business something that you know it's personal and that it doesn't really make me any different was so pinpointed and everybody knew off of just one single moment of just not being able to you couldn't step on the altar there was so many minute little details that I had to learn at what 12 13 years old just because a natural process that I couldn't do what the rest of my congregation was doing um, but my mother was very helpful of like educating me as well as my school we did um, menstruation class we had it in our health class for like a day or two they gave it, sent us home with a little care package so my school actually did a pretty good job of um, helping I think for the girls um, the boys was a different story but um, they separated us into groups as they normally do but definitely the church was definitely more of a bad experience my experience was a lot similar to Diamond's actually. Um, I think I was 12 or 13 when I first started and I didn't tell my mom for like a year probably because I was so fearful because I didn't really have a grasp of like what it was or like what exactly I was experiencing. Um, so I turned to the internet and I learned like a lot from the internet rather than going to my parents because I didn't really feel like that security with them because it is something taboo to talk about. Um, so I also went to my school nurse, like I got all my products from her and got educated further with that, but eventually I did open up to my mom, so. so I, I mean, I noticed that in this particular discussion, um, we only have one man present, so. <laughs> and, and I do know that you have daughter. I have a daughter. And, and um, then, so what Well, what we you? talked about this many years ago in yes. the first version of this and how I left that up to my wife to deal with. Mm -hmm. And that was a mistake. Um, obviously, the how to handle it, my wife's far more of an expert, but I should have been involved in the process in celebrating my daughter's health, that she's a healthy young lady, that she was entering into a different stage of her life, and it should have been a, a, uh, a positive experience. Uh, what could be better than your child is healthy? You know, and doing things that a woman uh, should be doing as far as health goes. Uh, so that was a realization for me, which made me think, and I talked about with some students, is why all this, and you guys really summarized that you were, um, you were minimalized, uh, you were alienated, if not by the church or by your parents or by your peers, whatever it may be. And the bigger question is why that happens, how something is 51% of Americans are women, between age 11 or whatever, up to 50-ish, like that. Do that every month. This is not something out of the ordinary. It's something as ordinary as it could be, but yet we treat it as not ordinary. We treat it as weird. We treat it as um, not healthy. Um, we treat it on a psychological thing. I told my students about politicians who talked about Hillary, who was post-menopause, by the way. Uh, what happens if she gets a period? Will she, you know, push the button and destroy Russia? You know, that kind of thing. So what is that all about? And I think that's the thing that I really try to think about 
and it comes down to, at least to my analysis, it's how to weaken women and how to continue a domination of men over women. Because if you're made to feel bad about yourself, that you're dirty, you're unclean, you're weird, you won't even talk to your parents you know, about this, then obviously you're freaked out, then obviously it makes you weaker, more controllable, and also um, minimized. So I think there's a lot of that there. There's a lot of power issues going on. Things don't happen for no reason, especially when it's something so natural that it happens. So that's after your first let's bloody talk, um, I really thought about that. So as you know, I have to go. So I just wanted to throw that out. Um, and so I think it'd be interesting if you would talk about that in my absence. But as a guy, that's my feeling. <laughs> as a representative male. <laughs> Um, so, what are some of the things like you know you have noticed like in society? If when you talk to your peers about, we all do like we all share our experiences, um, especially during um, during the during the time. And what are have you noticed any change in terms of attitude among your friends or your family member as time progressed? They are more open to talk about this, or is this still something that's taboo? I could give you an example. One of my um, dear colleagues, um, I, I think the first series of Let's Bloody Talk was seven years ago. And when I first proposed this idea with one of my students, and I told her about it, and she was like, no, 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 I don't want to talk about it. It's you know, very old Catholic, uh, uh, Catholic tradition. <laughs> and she was just like, I don't want to, I don't want to, don't get me involved. I don't want to talk about it. So today, I said, I'm going to use you as an example. She said, good, because I have not changed my mind. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so um, have you guys noticed any changes in your in society or in, in your surrounding that's different nowadays? I think the way in the how I surrounded myself definitely changed it because I grew up playing a competitive sport. So if you had your period, it was like you were considered weaker. You know, you couldn't perform to the level that you usually could. Um, our shorts were white for mm. when we played. So no one, we would skip our periods all the time and it was like almost like a benefit. Like we were like actually like very like thankful to skip our periods. And I feel like now that I'm out of like that surrounding with all the competitive sports, it feels like I can be healthy again because it's not something that I, I'm like dreading getting because it's not something that I think of as, it's something I think of as healthy now instead of something as limiting. So actually one point. So I don't know if people caught this, but apparently um, this year was the first year for Wimbledon, I think, that they allowed women to wear dark colored bottoms because they historically had to wear white bottoms and that corresponds with that yeah. all of us have definitely had that moment where you're like, oh my goodness, I'm standing up, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh no, no, no. And yeah. so that alleviates a lot of stress by being able to wear dark colored pants on your period. Every so. time I see a white bathing suit in, in media or anything like that, I think of that commercial from my childhood, which is like, I'm at the beach, I look great, blah, 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 but wouldn't you know it, and that phrase, wouldn't you know it, is like in my mind forever <laughs> associated with white bathing suits or white bottoms, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I had, I feel like I had a very positive experience with uh, things with, uh, with my family. Um, my father took me out to dinner, mm -hmm. that, he was like, it's your woman thing, and he took me like, uh, we went, I think he bought me an outfit and he like took me to a nice restaurant. I was like, you're a lady, like, right? It was, so it was very sweet and it was great. But kind of when like the real puberty started kind of hitting, it, like 
you know, he's trying to make me comfortable, and then he's making so, you're like, oh, okay, telling your coworkers, oh, she just grew breasts in three months. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, great, thanks so much, thanks so much. Like, wow, this is so great. Um, but I feel like definitely in society, we've seen, if you just look at um, commercials, period product commercials, they have, even in, I, what, I'm only 19, and not, not that much experience, but seeing um, the commercials, like, they now show, like, I think you brought it up before, but even just the pads and putting liquid in a pad, and it's yeah. not just blue anymore, right. it's red, you know? Like, small little things are even saying the word period, saying vagina, saying saying these terms that are normal and obvious, and we talk about them, we have them. Um, it's definitely changed the media, I think, in such a short period of time, and it's been great. I definitely think that um, you see a lot more open discussion on social media. Mm -hmm. um, you, like, on Twitter or Formally, formally known as Twitter now. Right. <laughs> uh, um, uh, one of one of the things I I, I love read, reading about is when people when women start sharing their experiences in uh, during period, and then you see the number of likes just mm -hmm. go shoot up. So, um, what are some of the experiences like? What are what's what is your most um, memorable experience while having periods? I'll I'll start. Um, I teach, obviously, you know, um, in front of a lecture, and I will be in front of students, and uh, there will be days where I know I'm bleeding through everything because I <laughs> cannot stop in the middle of my, my lecture, and I am very grateful, just like you, uh, you all, we all had experienced, um, I'm wearing black, mm -hmm. and so I'm just like, yes, it's fine, it's fine, I will be totally fine, and, um, and that was like... It's almost, it's, I shouldn't say it's a regular occurrence, but it, it's, it has happened definitely a few times where my face, you know, just changed in the middle of class. Mm -hmm. Alright, just have to push through. Mm -hmm. What are your experiences? Like, things that's funny, things that are, yeah. Well, this is like actually like something that was so hard for me to talk about because I was so young. I was at a tournament and I was putting in a tampon for the first time and I didn't lock the door. And yeah, somebody walked in, it was a boy my age, and it was at Hershey Park, and I remember just like being terrified to use a tampon ever again because I was, or like ever since like when I had my period, I was like so paranoid about like no one like seeing me, and like, you know, because it is a very personal thing, and especially the first time I had to do it, like I had that person, like that personalness taken away, it definitely um, screwed with my head a little bit, so. I, I know a lot of people, um, they'll, they'll use pads before they use tampons, that whole process. And I remember I got my period um, at 11, and it was summertime, so we were swimming and everything, so it was like tampon, you know, straight ahead. Um, and, um, <laughs> uh, and I remember a friend of mine uh, who was younger than me from a more traditionally Catholic family, uh, was like horrified that I was using tampons. She's like, you're not a virgin anymore. Like, you're, <laughs> you're compromised. Like, you know, it was, but it was one of those things. And I, I said to my mother, who was a nurse and who was very open and everything, but that was, that was something where it's just like, the fact that it was summertime, the fact that it was like, now I have all these other questions about sexuality, which has nothing to do with menstruation. Um, and what does that have to do with all of this? So it sort of like amplified all of these um, 
issues and kind of tied them together in a way that ended up being super weird and probably not the most healthy. <laughs> Your story makes me think we, I feel like we conflate a lot of times Absolutely. reproductive health and then sexuality and everything that comes with that and that makes it even more difficult to then talk about because especially when you're when you're young and you're getting your period for the first time you don't really know what's going on for any of that and so that just adds to the stigma and adds to the discomfort and adds to the confusion and then you feel uncomfortable talking about it and so that I, I think that also probably links to why we still have so much taboo and, and so much stigma when we talk about these things is because we artificially link other concepts and other topics that really are not related. Yeah, go ahead. Like, for example, I understand like the, for like, I wouldn't say normal person, people, but like for the general people, right? When a woman gets her period, you get like normal, the birds and bees right. um, mm -hmm. conversation, right? Okay, that makes sense. Okay, I guess a little bit. But a lot of stigma in a lot of communities is more so like you got your period, you're going on birth control, right. or you're going to get pregnant. That's the first thing that you go in. But a lot of people get their period when they're like 11, 12 mm -hmm. years old. So it's like I think the thing that you shouldn't be doing is putting your child on birth control. I think you should be talking to your child and asking your child exactly why are you having sex at 11, 12 years old? <laughs> <laughs> to help you. And then also I think another like uh, argument I got with, in with a lot of my peers is the fact that we have to pay for tampons and pads, however condoms are free. And I feel like sex is a choice, that's something that you choose to do for pleasure. We do not choose to bleed and get cramps and have mood swings, we do not choose to do that. And we still have to go to work, we still have to go to school, we still have to accomplish everything that we have to do like normal people. Why do we have to pay to take care of ourselves in that sense? And the inflation, they just keep going up and up and up and up and up. Yeah. It's That's a great point. It, yeah. it is, it, it, it to your point, um, there was, we were, um, I was at a pharmacy one day and then picking up um, medication. And there was a couple like picking up one for Viagra, the other one is like birth control, whatever. And the, the Viagra was like free. The birth control you have to pay for. And then the pharmacists and I look at each other after the whole thing was done. And then she and I both, we didn't say anything, but the look on our face was, this is so not fair. Mm -hmm. Like, we had to fight for, as women, we had to um, fight for our almost like health. Like, we had to um, argue with the insurance company. We had to um, find ways to, to, to pay for our um, products. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think, I think Scotland just made a menstruation product free of charge for everybody. Um, I think you just mentioned today a little bit about the, the pink tax. Yes. Yeah, so certain companies um, that sell menstruation products um, have started, I don't remember what it's called, I'm so sorry, but they started reimbursing you for the pink tax. Mm -hmm. So there are certain states, I think recently a lot of states have repealed the pink tax, not all of them though, and so in response to this, a lot of period companies, especially ones that offer reusable period products, mm -hmm. like cups and discs and like period underwear, um, say send us a receipt and we will reimburse you for the pink tax. Mm -hmm. um, that was you know charged in your state. Um, and it's funded by those companies um, themselves. But still, a little ridiculous that it has to be funded by the companies who are selling you this item to be able to give you, you know, that tax back. That's that's a little ridiculous. Um, but still, I guess an example of like a step 
forward, small, small step forward in the right direction. So, um, so, so since we started with this um, paper, a research paper on period product, just out of curiosity, because um, they actually uh, evaluated tampons, pads, menstrual cups, discs, and period underwears, right? So, this is a very small survey. What is your product of choice? I will say that for culturally, um, I have always been using pads. And then, um, unfortunately, it doesn't hold very well. And so sometimes I have to double up with tampons and pads so that I don't have to worry about basically having an avalanche coming <laughs> to me. Um, so what are your choices? So being a swimmer, I used a lot of tampons in my life. Um, but when the, during COVID, during the pandemic, when there was a shortage of period products, I had always been a little afraid. I was like, I should really try some of these like reusable products, but I had never like gotten the guts to do it. So I finally like bit the bullet and I got a disc. And well, actually, let me say, my sister got me my disc for Christmas and I got her a cup for figure out how to, like, I found it was very hard to use it in, like, day-to-day -day if I wasn't home. It's too messy. It's, like, you know, you, you take it out. It's inside, bloody everywhere, and you got to then dump the blood out. And then it's, like, you got to go into the sink. And then if it's one of the heavier days or it's a little more, if we're getting in detail, if it's a little more chunky or something like that, you know, and you're, you're getting the lining out and it's there, it, you, can't, you can't do it in public because then you're coming out with, with tips of yeah. the blood and this, the, yeah. the thing and you gotta go yeah. to the sink and then you're like, well I don't wanna put this back in because then it, it's just, so it was definitely, it's a great concept and I enjoy it. it. I never had any issues with it, but the issues was the accessibility in public restrooms and actually being able to use it in the way that it's meant to be used. Um, so even stigma yeah. between women, mm -hmm. like even within, mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna just be like, <laughs> hey guys, look at this, you know? Um, so. So that's, but you're not changing public bathroom, the whole thing for it. Right, but um, but you can, they do last like long enough to keep them in for 12 hours. Yeah. But that's also like, do I really want to, you know, and sometimes it's heavier and you can't really yeah. go 12 hours with it and then it, things like that. So yeah. I'm trying to think, what's the name? There's a product, uh, it's in like a purple, uh, so uh, full disclosure. Uh, I'm on, I use an IUD, and so my period is like, and I'm also older, so I'm in my, I'm in my 40s, but my period is like 
suppressed through the, the use of IED. And before that, I used the NuvaRing, which also suppressed. Um, I don't know what this gesture is about, but uh, it, it definitely lessened um, my menstruation. And um, so I, it's not something that I, I think about anymore, but the, I, it wasn't a disc, it was like a dis, it was a disc, but it was a disposable, I don't remember what it was called, instead or something like that. And uh, that, that was my most recent. And, and since then, I, I mean, like I have pads in case of you know, emergencies, but that hasn't been an issue. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always, and it's, it's like an interesting kind of progression. So again, like I was, uh, I had my first period in the middle of the 80s or the later 80s. And then um, tampons and pads were bigger and grosser and weirder and like the whole tampax with the cardboard, you know. So like the whole idea of discrete uh, passage of materials among friends or whatever, not happening. It was always like, here's, you know, kind of like trying to sideways hand something off. It was always awkward. Um, in high school, uh, a friend of mine started using OB tampons, and I was like, this is so much more convenient. It's much easier to transport. It doesn't get crushed in transit and so on. And then again, like other friends were like, I can't believe you use that. That's like so personal. It's so intimate. It's so like, it was just so much more. So then, but the, that made the transition into discs and cups and things a little bit much easier and more sort of like accessible uh, when I when I did make that switch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just wanted to like kind of piggyback off of what you said about like the women's stigma. Yeah. I think that we talk about like women's and men's stigma, the parents' stigma, but we don't really necessarily talk too much about um, kids' stigma. Like the surrounding, like I'm talking about, like preteens and early teenagers and stuff like that, not high schoolers and stuff like that. While it can be seen in them, but when like you're 11, 12 years old, I remember like where I grew up at and then the neighborhood I grew up at. But when the girls were getting their periods and everything, we had khaki pants on and stuff. Mm -hmm. Some real light khaki pants. So I just remember the one girl. She got her cycle in the classroom, and I, when I tell you, the girls and boys, both of them were like so disgusted. I had seen people like covering their eyes. I had seen people like looking like they were disgusted. And then there was also a stigma around using tampons as well. The boys seen the the boys seen the girls as like not holy or not good enough because they were using tampons. And the girls seen the girls as they used tampons at the time as I guess you could say sluts mm -hmm. or like they're sexually active. Mind you, these are 11, 12 year olds that we're talking about. So it's like in a time where you're most vulnerable and everything like that, you got these different stigmas all like these different variables in your life you don't necessarily just have one you may have a parent that doesn't understand you may have an aunt or a family member or your church or even the people at your school the people that you're supposed to feel more comfortable with because they're going through those same changes and things however in a lot of people's cases because i haven't had this conversation a million times this is something i'm very like passionate about a lot of people's cases they didn't the people that were going through the same stuff at them at the same time they were so ashamed that they pushed their thoughts and their feelings onto the next person about their body, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's, mm -hmm. um, so, so I grew up, uh, when I got my period, I was in China. So um, I was in middle school, right? And, and then we had this, um, it, was, it was like, it, you definitely hide all the products that you're supposed to uh, use. And then we didn't have, like, we didn't, we didn't have tampons. We were not. Like at that time, we just have to use pads, and even that was fairly new. 
and, uh, and then uh, the, the, the teachers and everybody will give you instructions, but it's always whispering down the line. Like you're not going to let the boys know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's always like very separate. And, and, and then we, we always like, we would huddle and talk about the, the changes and then what we need to do. And then there is under, um, there, there, there was, at least uh, when I was there, um, like a market, you know, during the time where who has what, we all knew <laughs> like who to go to and, and then get, get the products. But it was not, um, I mean, you don't really talk about this whole experience with just anybody. Mm -hmm. So, and then as, as um, preteen and then teenagers, we, you know, in middle school, we definitely had that. Like, we, we were kind of um, afraid of even mentioning that. It's like very hush-hush type of a deal. Even though it seems like juvenile in like grade school and middle school to not have those conversations, like it bleeds into adulthood. Oh, absolutely. I think what some people do. And it's like, I think even for some people, it's viewed as like a maturity thing, mm -hmm. but it is a stigma thing, I think, because it's like those conversations need to be had. Do, um, so one of the uh, phrases that keep, or words keep coming out of this discussion is the church, mm -hmm. right? Church does this, church does, like, you know, we are not allowed to go to the church. We're not allowed to go to the, um, you know, to get communion and whatnot. Um, do you think that the church, churches, I'm gonna say, themselves, um, have kind of built this taboo from like four women over the years so that it's almost like institutionalized in the sense that this is something that we don't talk about. Mm -hmm. I think it depends on the church you go to. Yeah. I feel like there's different types of churches and everything. Like you got Catholics, you got Christians, but they got different types of Christians. You got Baptist Christians, you got Lutherans, you got et cetera, and stuff like that. For me, my parents tried to raise me Catholic, then they switched to, switched to a Baptist Christian and everything like that, but I found the Lutheran church on my own. When I go to the Lutheran church, I felt like I was more able to talk about certain things. The pastor brought up disciples on their own, like talking about the Bible and stuff mm -hmm. like that. He, he like raised a question that like stayed with me to this day. Why is it okay for us to talk about violence? Why is it okay for us to talk about when we shed each other's blood, but something that is literally the creation of life? The reason why women, when they start their period, that's when they're starting like their fertilization. So he's saying like, that's the beginning of starting someone's life at that point. Why is it shamed upon? Why does it look down upon? when we talk about these things, when women and men were put on this earth in God's words in the Bible itself to procreate. So if that's a part of the process of procreating, why are we shaming women when we should be celebrating them? So like for me, when I switched to that church, it was also other reasons as to why they married gay people, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But like when I was talking to them and everything, I think that they lied more with my beliefs and my wants. However, when I done been to a lot of other churches, I think it depends on the place you go and if their morals and like this stuff lines up. If you uh, if you say you don't agree with what everything Donald Trump believes in or his like things that he wanna go for, would you go vote for Donald Trump? Would you go to one of his rallies and support him? No, you would go vote for somebody that lines up with your beliefs and morals. I think the main problem is a lot of people being predicaments or places in like any situations that don't fit with their morals and beliefs. 
So they make them look down upon and like kind of weird. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that these Catholic churches and these Baptist churches, their beliefs are right. However, after you realize they're not right for you and everything, you should leave. But a lot of the times with kids and preteens and when you're going through that vulnerable time, your parents tell you to go to church. Mm -hmm. They make you get up on Sunday. They bring you. So it's more so something that you could switch maybe in like early adulthood, like late teens, early adulthood. That's what I did. Thank you for a really good point that you're, you're entirely correct biologically speaking. The ability to reproduce starts when you are able to menstruate. And so I think that's also why we have this conflating or this, right. this connection between menstruation and sexual activity, which really, yes, they are related, but at the same time, like you said, they should be discussed separately. They're not the same issue. And just because you're 11 and you got your period does not mean that you are immediately going out and you know having sex. And so I think that that, especially if you're looking at a religious context where you know, in some organized religions, the regulation of sexual intercourse is really important. And so because menstruation is so linked to that and then it's just easier to to, to continue your narrative, to suppress all of it. And also, another thing that I, I, when I was listening to everybody talk, you know, it seems like, well, if you don't talk about it, then obviously the problem goes away, right? Mm. It's like, no, 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 The problem, you know, these issues don't stop. Women or, or individuals who menstruate do not stop menstruating simply because we don't talk about this issue. Um, and so that also creates this problem, this fear, like I can't talk to an adult or I can't talk to my peers um, because, you know, nobody talks about this. And so that kind of exacerbates the problem as well. It also like enforces the patriarchy because they're always like implying that the girls are gonna go get with a dude. Like what if they wanna go get with a girl or something? <laughs> it's like, it's just such that double standard of forcing straightness on people as well. They yeah. also don't talk about the fact that a woman, most in majority cases, there are some rare cases where a woman can get pregnant twice during already being pregnant. Mm -hmm. However, majority of the time for nine months, you're pregnant one time. A man can go out all nine of those months and impregnate different women. <laughs> so my thing about it is, why do we have to have a conversation with the women when they get their cycles when men at the same age could be sitting there impregnating? They can impregnate people before we get our cycles if we're being technical, <laughs> right, right. if we're being honest. So I feel as though like, that really makes it a gender thing because you're not having the same conversations with the same people. And it's more likely for that man to go and impregnate 10 mm -hmm. different women for that woman to have 10 babies. Like, like let's just, if we're being realistic and we're being honest, that woman got to carry that child for nine months. That man could go and, like, I guess you could say dump. And, like, 20 <laughs> different, plus different women during that period of time. And then by the time that one child born, that man got 20 plus babies. Mm -hmm. But I think that's something that we also don't talk about as well. Yeah. It comes to that, um, again, that link between sexuality and the physiology, mm -hmm. right? And, and then I agree 100%, and probably that might be the next episode of uh, Let's Bloody <laughs> Talk. Let's talk about this discrepancy, how we um, really describe, like, what's, what's the responsibility of men versus women in terms of reproduction, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that's all be another completely right. different topic. <laughs> Um, anybody uses, um, I, I just, out of curiosity, because I'm still back, I'm going back to the, 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 the manuscript, uh, the research. Um, does anyone use um, the period underwear? Sometimes. I do. <laughs> okay. Sometimes. Sometimes. I've, I've talked a lot. Would you like to share your thoughts on that? <laughs> um, I don't 
No, I feel like it depends on the brand you get it from. You get so many different products, and it's so it it can become really frustrating to search for what you actually want and need. And I feel like with what I have, I only use it for the end of my period. So when I'm light and stuff, okay, and I don't want to leak. But I I would never use it when I'm like heavy flow, right? <laughs> no, because the, the the reason I say is that actually period underwear, according uh, to this study. Holds the least amount sure. of oh, blood. Okay. So, so what's your experience? I just use it in addition to a disc. Mm -hmm. So okay. more just is like catch at the end. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, All right. But to your point about what product do you use? So I did a lot of research, and I, you know, it, it did take a long time to figure out like what product that I wanted to buy. And so my cousin and my sister also used them, but it's because I did the research and mm -hmm. I told them, oh well, this is what I've purchased. So it can be kind of an insurmountable obstacle and, and when you're faced with all of these different options, well, what do you choose and why? Mm -hmm. Do you use them in replace of underwear or do you still mm -hmm. wear underwear? No, replace no them. that's your underwear. Yeah. Huh? That's just your yeah. underwear. Yeah. Have you noticed that, you know, we're talking about these menstrual products and then even within us, yeah. answer at, like, you know, we have questions that we also have that hesitance about asking the question, <laughs> even though, like, you know, I have so many questions about the period underwear right now, <laughs> so I'm just out of curiosity, um, also thinking about um, exploring my options, but it's, even we, we tend not to talk about this in the open, mm -hmm. it seems like we have been conditioned to say, hush, hush, don't say it, right, and now I'm sure our description of our period can get quite colorful. <laughs> I, I always say that there's a, there's one day I'm little I'm I'm basically making human sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say that those conversations are important because now I'm gonna go use a desk, mm -hmm. and I think that's why these talks are super important. Mm -hmm. Is because like like this isn't a conversation that I would just go have in Canbar to anybody yeah. about it. So it's like I think yeah, I would be like, hey, like what do you use? You know. So this is like great, and it's a great outlet to share. Yeah, it, 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 I think that it allows us to be able to answer, um, ask and answer questions in a very comfortable, you know, um, uh, setting. As in, um, but you may not be able to. I mean, if we were to have this conversation in Kembar, um, I'm pretty sure everybody's will be looking at us, thinking mm -hmm. like we are crazy. <laughs> but we are not. But this, this is still it's a It should be a normal. We shouldn't be crazy for talking about it. Yes. Period. Yeah. We're talking about period. Yes. Yeah. 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 And like going back to products, like most of the tampons and pads that are offered to us have so many chemicals in it and like other stuff that isn't supposed to like mesh with us. And the organic stuff that we do find are like lying. Mm -hmm. So it's also so hard to pick that perfect product that has mm -hmm. no harmful chemicals or residues or anything. Have any of you guys used like, because my experience with my tampon the first time, which was horrible, I used mm -hmm. a, I used a, um, a, a paper tampon, like the, 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 the paper applicator. Um, like yeah. what the nurse gives you? The, yeah, the ones that, because I, I said I wasn't going yeah, yeah, nurse yeah, consultant. Yeah. And like the paper ones, from what I've heard, like they also, they're prone to infections and stuff like that. Right. They hurt really bad. And it don't necessarily kind of feel like, like you know how you said you put your disc in and you was like, oh, I can't feel it. Is it in there? I lost it. Where to go? 
it didn't like it didn't it wasn't that feeling. You knew it was there. It didn't it didn't feel right. It was like something that was out of place necessarily. But then when I switched to like more so the other ones that they have, like the plastic applicators. Yeah, the ones that are a little bit more expensive and mm -hmm. stuff like that. They work a little bit better. Mm -hmm. However, like some of the other things you guys are telling me, like you got me thinking about that disc right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm seeing some better opportunities, some better options and everything there. But those are not necessarily things that I would have been prone to if I didn't come to this conversation today. So while we are having the discussion, I'm also taking in a lot of information, learning about different people's experiences and everything and comparing them to mine and seeing if if I can do something differently or how I can take your experience and try to shift minds a little bit. So I will say for a lot of those reusable products, whether you're using like a, an OB tampon, which is not reusable, but or a disc or a cup. I think the other thing too is that you can be really scary because you've got to get real up close yes. and personal with your own anatomy. And when you are 11 years old and you already there's already stigma about all of your genital area, it can be really uncomfortable to to do that and to think about that and talk about that. And so that's probably also why it took me so long to kind of make that step and make that jump. Because it was like gonna get real intimate down there real quick. I also, I think that they're like, again, those paper applicators are what I, what I grew up on. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, it's very obvious, like, okay, I'm bracing myself for the, you know. And uh, the, but the paperwork that comes with it, I remember being a, a, like a studious child and being like, okay, let me read the front and the back. And there's like the picture, the, the picture is like someone standing with one foot up. It's like a whole like, who does, I mean, it was like a whole thing. I was like, okay, I'm doing this wrong to begin with. <laughs> and then you get to the toxic shock syndrome warning, which is, I mean, terrifying. And then you're like, wait, wait, wait. So it, now I know, again, like this can't, you know, four or five hours, whatever, like there's a limit. Everything has to happen within this time frame. And I remember when I was, uh, out of college, but uh, talking to a friend who had just discovered the concept of toxic shock syndrome, and he, this is a dude, he was like very concerned for like any tampon users in the vicinity. He's like, do you know about this? Have you heard about this? It could kill you. It could kill you. Are you still like, and it's just the fact that there is this sort of like, this danger that we're all sort of like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I, <laughs> it's just there. It's just like a warning that we ignore, that we carry on living uh, around. Like birth and control? Exactly. There's so many of these like warnings and things and side effects and dangers that are like embedded in everything that we do. And I just thought that that was so funny because like by the time I had this conversation with him, I'm like 10 years <coughs> into my own tampon using journey <laughs> and he it was just like yeah I guess I glossed over that once I got over my own initial horror at like the potential <laughs> but yeah there's there's a lot that we just accept um, yeah yeah and like going back to the cups and discs I feel like that is the most like sustainable and cleanest option mm -hmm. but I did try the cup it's scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I like couldn't get it out for like 10 minutes. I was like, oh no, it's stuck forever. And I had like acrylics on, so it was even worse. I didn't want to puncture it or anything. <laughs> so that kind of like scared me off. And I'm like, okay, back to tampons. <laughs> um, so even though that is the like most 
sustainable way. It's so difficult to get used to it and to clean it, and it's just so much more steps mm -hmm. to work on. I mean, sometimes you just don't have time for that, or yeah. it yeah. just doesn't work out <laughs> in that moment. Yeah. So we we obviously this is this conversation is we could go on and on for mm -hmm. for hours, um, because we today here we have one representation from the other sex, <laughs> and then he probably left. <laughs> and if you were to have any um, advice to mm. our um, for people who couldn't be here and who's, uh, who wants to be supportive of this conversation, what would you say to them? I think put yourself in their shoes. I think, especially for men, the thought of just bleeding every month. I mean, being a 10-year-old and going to the bathroom and seeing your underwear full of blood is a terrifying experience. It's like, what does this mean about my body? And if you have that support system, it's great. If you don't, it's a lot more to navigate by yourself. But I think simply putting yourself in other people's shoes gains a new perspective that you can't get if you don't experience it yourself. So I think maybe thinking, what the emotions are each month when this happens to you, or if you don't get it each month, is also terrifying in and of mm -hmm. itself. But, <laughs> yeah. Another topic. But yeah, just putting yourself in their shoes and being like, what is this experience actually like? And maybe not just judging it right off the bat and being like, ew, that's gross. But it's something that our bodies just do, like farting, you yeah. fart, it happens. It's not a gross thing. I think just simply destigmatizing it in and of, like by yourself is the first step. Mm -hmm. I would say I agree with what she said. However, I feel like it actually speaks louder than words. So I feel like the men and like men should conversate with the women in their lives, their moms, their daughters, their aunts, their sisters, and things like that, and kind of get a firsthand experience from those people. So that they can get educate themselves better instead of like it's easy to say go educate yourself go look it up on Google mm -hmm. and go do this but like if you hear it from your mother the one that raised you if you hear it from your sister probably like your best friend or if you hear it from your daughter the person that you that you raised that's a part of you mm -hmm. and things like that those personal experiences if you don't be changed by that then you might not just be human mm -hmm. but I feel like you should go and talk to these people understand their pain and everything like that because easier said than done to put yourself in another person's situation because at the same time we do not have the same reproductive like system we don't so it's kind of hard to imagine bleeding out of like your penis versus a vagina <laughs> like it's kind of harder to imagine that if i'm being honest it's kind of hard to imagine a type of pain that they never had to experience we can because a lot of men there's a stigma around women like being dramatic when it comes to their cramps and periods and stuff like that. So if you go tell me and like put yourself in my shoes and everything, a lot of the times they think that we're being dramatic and everything. So what I would just say is just talk to the woman in your life. Try to get a better understanding. You like instead of talking and trying to advocate for women's rights, I think that instead of doing that, you should shut up. You should listen <laughs> and, for, and for once let the women do the talking. <laughs> I said to just jump right on that. Um, just like many just mind their own business and I know that's just what it boils down to like I was at work I work at in as a building manager at Canberra and my two co-workers were talking about how they got their periods like yesterday and how 
their boyfriends kept asking them if they were getting their period, if they were doing this, like, oh, is it coming? Like, and they were, like, talking about how it's, like, a casual conversation they have with their boyfriend. And I'm like, guys, you need to get out of your relationships. They should be, like, <laughs> like just, like, mind your own business. And it's, like, just because a woman is showing emotion doesn't mean that she's on her period. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, if it's an every month thing that your boyfriend's asking you, like, I don't know, time to reevaluate. Right. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, uh, if you're starting your period or you don't fully understand it, I feel like we should keep asking questions. Not those questions like, are you pre-investing <laughs> or stuff like that. But like, if you, don't, if you don't know, ask. That literally breaks down the stigma. And if you ask and people look at you a weird way, who cares? I mean, you're probably talking to someone who's had their period or family member has had their period. I mean, everyone has been around it, so. We shouldn't be afraid to ask. I, I, I see these um, videos on um, social media about the period pains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. I think every man should at least experience it once because <laughs> the the way that the women and men handle the same level right. is astonishing. Like <laughs> so different. And then you think that we're dramatic, and then you look at the, the, the guys who are bending over backwards when he gets to like right. I don't know even a seven or an eight, and then. Us were just like, yeah, did you hear about the birth control studies for men? They had to stop it because they were too moody. Wait, really? Yeah. So, um, they were like, sorry, we can't get these out. They were too moody. They got a little crampy. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go back to the drawing board. That's fascinating. I think that would be the next episode. <laughs> the double standard of even birth control. Yeah. yeah. Completely. Yeah. All right. Well, it looks like we are out of time. So thank you all so much for coming in and talking about the stigma behind periods and other menstrual related topics. It's so important for us to keep talking about these issues to change society's normal and to further inform and educate others about it. Thank you to Mimi Rayo and Hannah Shapiro for hosting this event. And again, we post our roundtables to our YouTube channel and we are broadcasted on the first and third Sundays each month from 8 to 9 a.m. on the G-Town Community Radio 92.5 FM WGGT. Thanks for listening and have a great day.